0: For sports content from the biggest leagues and competitions across the world, look no further than Reuters Connect, Reuters' online news content platform. Reuters Connect makes finding the sports content you need easy, whether it's in-depth reporting from Reuters journalists or access to video highlights from around the world. Bring the world of sport directly to your workplace with Reuters
1: Connect. For more information and a free trial, visit ReutersConnect.com.
0: Welcome to Keeping Score, I'm Riccardo. Each week, we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rulemakers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports professor Rick Harrow, inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports and we are keeping score the international golf world satisfied with the masters the major gets done entering the home stretch around the holiday season and all sports coming to an economic head a very turbulent time we'll reflect back on 2020 next month but now it's time for deal making issues three to one three deal making issue number three well It's a big deal and, frankly, bigger than we've thought. What sorts of shampoo issues have to do with soccer other than helping sweaty athletes clean up after a game? Well, while fans may not be allowed back into football stadiums due to coronavirus restrictions, Munilever shampoo brand Clear for Men created a virtual pundit for Indonesian fans to help them engage with the game in a new way from the stands. Clearhead Smart is a virtual pundit created by Clear Media's agency Mindshare. It uses sports data company Stats Perform opt live Win Probability Model, is powered by machine learning and artificial intelligence, and offers a real-time forecast of a live soccer match outcome. The original challenge we set ourselves was how we could best use the power of data and science to reduce the stress and anxiety of watching your favorite football team aligning with Clear's brand purpose to help young men power up their resilience to be free to stress and perform at their best. Arker Narayan, head of Unilever and Mindshare Indonesia. So far, the virtual pundit has received no negative sentiment from fans, even though they may not like the forecasts. Two in number two, new soccer fans will see exactly how much agents earn from transfer deals when new regulations come into force next year. Sports Pro, Pro reported that FIFA, soccer's global governing body, has begun a third round of consultation on new regulations after admitting it had been a mistake by the old FIFA regime to deregulate agents in 2015. The regulations will now include a licensing system, character tests, commission caps and the publication of the money agents receive from their clients, both players and clubs. It'll also prohibit conflicts of interest, such as club or national association officials owning stakes in player agencies. Agents will be able to provide feedback between now and the spring of 2021. The regulations will then go forward for FIFA's governing council to approve between March and June next year before coming into force in September. The rules eliminate Triple representation, where an agent represents the player, the buyer, and the seller, and bans dual representation, except when the agent represents the player and the buying club. FIFA found that in 2019, just under $651 million was spent on commission fees worldwide, regulated now. One. Finally, deal issue number one. NFL owners increased Roger Goodell's power over team ownership rules. They voted recently to give the commissioner the power to issue multimillion-dollar fines to clubs that don't comply with league rules, requiring an individual to own at least 30 percent of a club and have autonomy on team matters. The measure is seen primarily as a tool to compel aging owners and their families to be more proactive about estate planning. The league hopes to avoid more damaging intrafamily legal fights over succession in the future. The vote was not unanimous, per sources, Bengals owner Mike Brown voted against it, and multiple owners abstained. However, the measure received widespread support, and under the new policy, teams can be fined $5 million to start and up to $10 million annually if they stay out of compliance. Individual owners can be fined a $1 million, and then $2 million on an ongoing basis. And until now, ownership-related fines have maxed out in the low six figures. Bottom line, as coronavirus changes the market, each league is nimble on protecting investments and moving forward. That's deal making issue number one. Well, speaking of protecting interests and moving forward, the American Hockey League, one of the oldest leagues in North America, are grappling with return to play uh, based on changing their December schedule, as everybody is. They have 31 teams all across North America. They work with the NHL on player evaluation and player development, and also work with uh, NHL on everything, and uh, have best practices around North America. Succeeding in the footsteps of of Dave Andrews is the president and CEO, Scott Housen, who has become uh, an expert at the league in very short order since he started recently. Has a lot on his plate, but as you see, he has vision and enthusiasm to match scott how are you i'm good rick how are you i'm wonderful thank you very much for for doing this uh first you follow in some immense footsteps with a small guy big mind big heart i hope dave andrews hears this because he'll kill me but what's it like succeeding a legend
1: well dave's been uh first of all dave's been a friend for over 25 years and and uh my first job in hockey, uh, funnily enough, was when he left to become president of the AHL and I replaced him in Cape Breton. So I followed him twice now, and it's not easy. I, I had a little bit of a taste of it in Cape Breton. He, he, he really established a great franchise there and had a full building and won a Calder Cup, so those weren't easy shoes to fill. And these aren't easy shoes to fill either. Um, I'm very grateful. You may or may not know that Dave is... Still with the league, uh, we've got him under contract as an advisor, and in fact, he's probably doing a lot more than he envisioned because he's uh, chairing our return to play committee, which is made up of uh, some NHL general managers and NHL owner and uh, five or six of our presidents and owners in the AHL. So he's very busy, and I'm very grateful that he's around to lean on in these uh, very trying times.
0: Well, and one of the things that I've known about Dave is his stability and helmsmanship. And uh, I point out regularly when I'm with him that he is the longest standing, has been the longest standing commissioner. Of course, he would he would uh, uh, appropriately and politically defer to Gary Bettman, who's the who's the longest standing uh, Major League commissioner. But it doesn't matter because my segue to you is that your duties uh, uh, with a 31 team league, whether return to play would have been December 4 or later. Are immense and they are the same scope, I would say, I guess, whether it's with uh, NHL, uh, NFL, uh, Major League Baseball, AHL, or otherwise. You know, give us a, if it's possible, because it's got to be a long elevator, give us an elevator speech of, of, of what, what, what your day to day entails.
1: Well, um, first of all, you know, I just, I just, I was supposed to be here July 1st uh, in Springfield, Mass. That's where our home office is. And I didn't get here until because of the pandemic and everybody was working remotely. We didn't really go back on a semi-regular schedule till the beginning of October. So day to day, it's it's talking to our teams, uh, finding out what they're thinking. And, and you know what? What they were thinking eight, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, is, is different than what they're thinking now. And uh, I think that's very... Uh, you know, very prevalent in this pandemic is that um, people are changing their their thoughts. It's lasting a lot longer than we all thought it would. I think in terms of the the strength of it, and um, and so just making sure I'm I'm up to date on what our our teams are thinking. Uh, obviously, the big challenge right now is finding a pathway to return to play. We set the a stake in the ground as uh, as February 5th. We're in the middle of uh, you know, developing a model and a schedule and all those other things that we're going to need to play and we're getting feedback from our teams and, and hopefully in, in, in a short time we'll bring it to our board and, uh, and get approval to move forward. And I, I sincerely um, hope and I, I believe that there's a will for us to play. Um, our teams want to play. The NHL teams want us to play for player supply and player development reasons. So... Um, so that's what we're focused on. Uh, managing the staff, obviously, is also a big part of my day and, and keeping them busy and, and making sure that we're providing value to our teams.
0: Well, and the one thing that's interesting is that you could ask Rob Manfred what his job uh, description is, and it's it's almost exactly the same, except um, you know the zeros may be different uh, before the decimal point. It doesn't really matter because uh, it's uh, – important for the grassroots and for fans and for television and for arenas and for ownership, uh, regardless of what league you're involved in. I, I, I would argue that there's more similarity among leagues than different uh, differences, but talk about that for a minute.
1: Well, I, I'd also add that we're all very similar in terms of what we mean the, to our communities. We're on a smaller scale, as you mentioned, but um, you know the Providence Bruins are really, really important to the city of Providence. And, uh, and you know, we've got to do and try everything we can to make sure that um, we find a pathway to playing as long as we're playing safely. And, um, and you know, at, at the beginning of the pandemic, Rick, I would have said that we probably wouldn't play if we couldn't have any type of capacity for fans. And that's changed a little bit. I think our teams and our NHL partners are trying to find a way because i don't think there's going to be many of our markets we're in 31 markets right now and i don't think uh you know maybe 25 percent of our markets 20 percent of our markets might have uh the ability to attract some fans and and probably not in any meaningful way so i would have said to you you know that if we didn't weren't able to have fans we might not be able to play or we wouldn't be able to play and i think that's changed a little bit so We're trying to navigate, as you mentioned at the outset, uh, I think flexibility, being nimble, is really important here. This season's going to look different. It's not going to look perfect. And um, really it's becoming about, you know, making sure uh, the NHL has a player supply available and and some player development going on.
0: Well, and I assume your relationship with Gary Bettman and Bill Daly and everybody has to be first-rate. It was. It will continue to be. And the other thing I was going to ask you to comment on is the – kind of the rotational cycle within the pandemic that you just kind of maybe get a little luck on in the sense that, you know, your December start is what is normal. It's not happening. It's February, depending on your board. You mentioned that. But all of the other leagues this summer were grappling with when they restart, with fans, without fans, in arenas, in stadiums. What about television? And you, I guess, were able to... Uh, not sit it out because you clearly wanted revenue during that time, but you, you get the benefit of a lot of people's best practices during that time, which makes it uh, uh, a more fact-filled and appropriate set of decisions that you're about to make. Is that is that am I am I accurate on that?
1: Yeah, you are. I mean, it's it's a very fair statement. I think uh, two things. One is that yes, other teams, other leagues have gone before us. And for something like developing our health and safety protocols, so I've got, you know, about 10 to 15 different versions of what other leagues are, have done or are doing. And that's going to be very helpful, along with the NHL's input into us developing the right and appropriate uh, health and safety programs. And I think, too, we just have more information uh, about the virus. Um, you know, if you remember all the speculation at the at the beginning Uh, was it airborne could you you know could you get it off touching surfaces and I think we have a little bit more information I think the medical community is pretty confident it's mostly transmitted through airborne and therefore masks are very important so um, we have more information and we've got as you said the benefit of some teams going or some leagues sorry not teams going before us and developing uh, uh, a lot of protocols based on what they've gone through.
0: Yeah and let's just talk about the the sharing for a minute the best practices inure publicly to the benefit of everybody in all sports but I assume you guys are in lockstep with the NHL on a lot of things talk about your relationship.
1: Yeah no I mean we're we're I mean we have we have 31 teams 19 are going are owned by NHL teams 20 soon when uh, Seattle and Palm Springs come in. Um, So we're closely aligned with the NHL. And even if something as simple as, you know, what our schedule is going to look like and when it's going to start, that while we're separate, we don't have to start exactly the same time as the NHL. It's got to make sense because we do supply players and we do develop their players. So it's got to make sense to, our schedules have to make sense together. So it's a very tight relationship. Uh, I can tell you that Gary and Bill have been very supportive of uh, of what the American League is about and what it's trying to accomplish, and uh, they know that it's important to their NHL team So um, we lean on them a lot. We get advice from them a lot, and uh, and and we're going to continue to do that as we move
0: forward. The beauty about your well, there's so many beautiful things about your league. In addition to the fact that that your legacy is uh, amazing as far as hockey in the in the U.S. and obviously in Canada, but your history—you're not a, a Johnny Come Lately. You've been there for a long time. You've survived a long time. Many uh, call them minor leagues don't do that, but you clearly have. And you're in—you're in major markets. Look at your—look you at your champion. Look at—obviously, look at Charlotte. And you mentioned Providence. Look at a big market like Providence in a big hockey uh, area. But but the Bruins are are Dunkin' Donuts Arena. They, they are—they're uh, important to. The life of Providence, as as I would say, the Bruins are to Boston. So, you've got a whole bunch of diverse markets, and they're East Coast, West Coast. Which, when you get on a plane, is going to be tough for you. But but talk about talk about that issue.
1: Well, first of all, you know, and that's a credit to Dave. Um, when I took over for him in Cape Breton, we were you know an at, at Atlantic Canada, really Northeast United States league, and now we're in. in 31 markets, uh, you know, across the U S and four, uh, three provinces in Canada. So, uh, he just took this league and, it, and he built it through a lot of, uh, you know, strategy, savvy strategy and, and negotiations and making sure we were going the right way. So I think it's a challenge based on our distance, but I think this year, like I said before, it's not going to look the same. We're going to, if we do play and, um, and and we're certainly all very hopeful of trying to play, of playing and trying to play, and we're going to do everything we can, Uh, we're going to be a regionally-based schedule. So we're not going to have a lot of plane trips. We do have some teams such as Charlotte, uh, Texas, uh, Colorado, Manitoba that require flights, but um, for the most part, we're going to be day in, day out, and and get get out of the city and make sure we don't have a lot of hotel nights and try and operate that way, uh, for safety
0: purposes. Yeah, and, and it's it's following again in the footsteps of uh, of you know Major League Baseball's regional schedule and and NBA in a bubble, and you have a lot of alternatives to choose from as we talked about before. Well, let's let's spend a minute talking about markets. You made the statement about how important your teams are to the fabric of those communities, and as we look in the future about post pandemic economic recovery and you know this has been my world for 30 years about stadiums and arenas and and you know we know that Yankee Stadium was done in 1923 by public money that was allocated post 1917 Spanish flu corona uh, uh, Spanish flu recovery dollars and of course uh... Orange Bowl and WPA in the 30s um, you know you're not stumping for a new stadium here but the idea of using um, uh, assistance uh, in uh, communities to um, make sure people go back to work, to improve community development aspects of things, to increase real estate around facilities. You have the ability uh, in in many, if not all, your 31 markets to really make a difference. Uh, Talk about that.
1: Yeah, I think we do. I mean, the value that we bring to the communities, I mean, if you just, I mean, so much of the entertainment value, the pride in having uh, a professional hockey team at the highest level other than the NHL in your community, the entertainment value. Uh, you touched on the people that we uh, employ and that our arenas employ. That's, that's widespread. And, and, and as you know, a lot of our teams are heavily involved in, in making their communities a better place, and that's one of our mandates. And and the, the time that our uh, our players put in to serving their communities, uh, to the dollars that are raised for countless community causes. I mean, I don't think it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard argument to make that, uh, you know, having an AHL team in, in any community is a huge, huge asset to that community.
0: Yeah, it's just like any sport in, in any community, and we'll be seeing how people turn on to that uh, as we focus on money that's going to help recovery um, uh, once we continue to get better at a rapid rate. All right, so give me your sense. You just started. Um, you didn't realize that uh, circumstances would change as much as they have over the last year. Um, where is the AHL, and where are you two years from now?
1: Well, that's a great question.
0: Well, uh, it was going to be 5 and 10, but who knows, right? Yeah, so we cha- yeah. we made it easier.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, I think we're all focused on um trying to get through this year have a hockey season um, again as I said it's going to be a lot of it's going to be about player supply and player development and I think it's really important for our businesses uh, for our teams uh, for our sport to get back on a normal calendar next year so that we can begin the process of, uh, of rebuilding and building up our businesses because this pandemic has flattened a lot of things and um, professional sports is uh is one of the things that it's uh you know one of the many 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 things that it's it's harmed and we were going to take some uh, you know some time to get back to what we hope is a new normal and and start building our businesses again so where we are in 2 years I'm hope I'm hoping that we're back to a normal calendar for the 2122 season and that we're back uh providing great entertainment and value to our communities and just continuing to build off that and you know Dave had done such a great job, record revenues, record attendance almost on a yearly basis, and we're going to have to take a step back from that. But I'm, I'm confident that uh, our ownership is committed. We've got, we've got great ownership, and we're going we're to continue to build off that once we get up and running again.
0: Scott Housen gives us some perspective. Every one of the 31 clubs will be looking at arena modernization. They'll be looking at job creation, looking at post-economic recovery. Uh, through the post-coronavirus techniques of public-private partnerships, and on and on and on. Let's watch the AHL while, while we're, like we're watching all other leagues in the future. Well, how about the Sports Tech Minutes? Thanksgiving, Black Friday, and holiday shopping season near. The American appetite for video games remains vociferous. U.S. consumers spent a whopping $11.2 billion on video games in the third quarter of 2020 according to data from a market research NBT group reported by the Chicago Tribune. That's an all-time high and up 24% from the same quarter as last year. Consumers spent $33.7 billion on video games from January through September, compared with $27.9 billion during the same time last year. While some of that increase can be attributed to stay-at-home boredom during the pandemic, Video games have long experienced year-over-year sales growth, so that's an issue. The rapid rise of eSports, the graphic interfaces that are now so lifelike that it's hard to distinguish between a video game and a live-action movie are major contributors to this continuing upward trend. That's your Sports Tech Minute. How about the Good Sports Minute? Coaches versus cancer, uh, basketball and golf coming together a National Association of Basketball Coaches in the American Cancer Society. One prize, a combination of benefits, sure to attract a lot of, of bids, Around with Ken Griffey Ooh, on Michael Jordan's exclusive New Grove uh, 23 course. It's going to get a lot of money working for cancer prevention through golf and through other sports, basketball as well. Veterans Day just passed, the Ford Motor Company and the pro football Hall of Fame announced they're teaming up to present the Ford Proud to Honor Hall of Heroes. The initiative is just the latest improvement to the hall under the stewardship of our good friend Dave Baker, who took the helm as president of the hall in 2014. The British government has agreed to spend 220 million to provide free meals to vulnerable children during the holidays following a child hunger campaign led by Man U star Marcus Rashford. He's spoken about his own childhood experiences of relying on free school children, school lunches, and and food banks, and the steps taken will improve the lives of nearly 1.7 million children over the next year. And Stanford football fans were mostly wooden on Saturday. They're likely to stay that way. There were uh, many uh, Stanford fans, but 300 cardboard cutouts and 470 trees if Stanford has another poor showing, let's <laughs> make sure the trees don't act up and and walk away. And then finally, Immortals Gaming Club raised 26 million in support of esports brands. Expanding the world of esports will be a better environment to make that happen. In a questionable short-form media platform where Quibi was originally involved, uh, QB and uh, whatever we call it, Meg Whitman was a leading investor. That was gone fairly quickly. Now she sets her sights on raising additional money, not only for charity, but for a lot of other stuff as well. Finally, the Sports and Lifestyle Minute. Enid Viana returns as usual. She's a lifestyle expert and wellness writer and the editor of two websites, theevsocial.com, covering entertainment, wellness, fashion, and travel, and hamptonsmoms.com, which addresses all things family on Long Island's magical east end. She also contributes content to various magazines and websites, such as Hamptons Magazine and ArtSugar.com. And also follow her on Instagram, EV Social, and Hamptons Moms. Her comment this week is focusing on who's running the world. Well, of course she's going to say girls, and when you think about uh, it's happening now, and the popular song by Beyoncé, definitely a prime example of life imitating art. Females are big news in the sports world this week. Beyonce announcing a multi-year partnership with Peloton, transcending cycling to include running, strength, boot camp, and meditation. Peloton now secured its position as the premier home cycle option with Queen Bey's involvement in a surefire win, and it's a good win-win for both. The announcement was big and definitely exciting, and may even finally sway her into buying a Peloton, No bigger news this week in the sports world than Kim Ng being hired by the Marlins. Congrats to her for becoming the first woman to be GM of any North American men's professional sports league. A female vice president, a woman of color, now the highest-ranking woman in baseball operations among Major League Baseball's 30 teams, and the second person of Asian-American descent to run a baseball team. Play ball indeed. Enid says, and it's a great way to be female and at a great time to be rising strong, raising strong, capable girls that can, like Beyonce, singing Running running the World. And speaking of Beyonce, who will perform in the next Super Bowl, well, the pandemic has wreaked havoc on seasons, and while the NFL is struggling to wrap the season on schedule in 17 weeks, with the Super Bowl taking place February 7, you really never know. We had a Masters in November this year, and we had a Super Bowl, uh, maybe, even scheduled. We may have one in March. Either way, Canadian superstar The Weeknd is performing this year. It's going to be hard to top last year's Shakira J. Lo extravaganza. The Weeknd is definitely trending these days. It even snagged a place on Time's most influential 2020 list. Pretty sure the NFL is trying to track Gen Z demographic by getting pop culture acts as they've tried to steer clear of classic rock acts in recent years. But clearly nobody young or hip enough at the NFL realized that Stevie Nicks from Fleetwood Mac would have been the biggest act to land since going viral on TikTok last month. It's clear the NFL needs some creative female brain power, <laughs> she says. And she'd also be remiss without a giant shout-out to Chris Nikic, who became the first person with Downs Syndrome to com- complete an Iron Man triathlon. Go Chris. Feel-good stories of overcoming obstacles and perseverance are just what the doctor ordered. Like to thank Scott Housen for talking about the perspective of comeback of all sports leagues, obviously focusing on the AHL. Like to thank you for listening and watching and joining us next week when we continue to keep score.
1: Action Images is the global multimedia sports agency of Reuters. Leagues, teams and federations around the world rely on Action Images to create, distribute and monetize their content. Action Images' global footprint means sports media
0: expertise is never far away. For more information, visit actionimages.com.